live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon. How are you wherever you are? Thanks so much for uh, making us a part of your uh, afternoon on this Tuesday, July 26th, the year 2022. Sunbelt Conference Media Days are underway. We'll get involved in that much, much more as we come to you live and in living color with my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's pushing the button, spinning all the tunes, making music just chirp. And that's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on in the great village of Lake Charles on 1041. We are streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Better now than later, I guess. But uh, the word is out that former LSU Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and Cincinnati Bengals star Joe Burrow is going to have an appendectomy. A timetable for the procedure remains unclear, but it's probably within the next 48 hours. The NFL Network was the first to report the news of Joe's impending procedure as Cincinnati veterans reported to practice today ahead of the team's first official training camp practice tomorrow. The Bengals coming off its first AFC championship and Super Bowl appearance in 33 seasons last year, Joe. All he did was complete 70.4% of his passes for 4,611 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Um, speaking of one who had an appendectomy, get it done now. Get it over with. He's going to miss some practice time. He should not miss any game time um, at all. Um, a standard appendectomy does have a relatively short recovery time. So um, per Mount Sinai Health System, most patients leave the hospital one to two days after surgery. Then the patient will be able to go back to normal activities within two to four weeks. Given where the Bengals are at the calendar, it's better that the procedure happen now rather than later this summer or ever in the midst of a of the season so joe burrow joe we wish you the best get well get that thing done get it over with and out of the way the new york yankees have put star giancarlo stanton on the 10-day il with achilles tendonitis as the yankees trying to hold off the houston astros with the best record in the american league Yes, as the Big Ten media days are underway, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith says you can't ignore the persistent talk of a 16-team college football playoff. It's, uh, it's coming. They were one of three leagues that voted against expanding the college football playoff to 12 teams last year. 
Um, but now things are moving in impossible different directions. Smith says 16 just seems to be out there. You can't ignore it. But let's make a let's make a, no bones about it. What does the SEC feel? What does Greg Sankey feel? That is the question. I have never seen this before, and I don't know what it means other than, golly, Kyler Murray, what's wrong with you? Kyler Murray's new $230 million Arizona Cardinals contract mandates four hours of weekly film study. <laughs> what? It, re- it includes an addendum that requires Kyler Murray to study film for four hours per week during the season to stay in compliance with his new deal. The clause is labeled independent study addendum. Wow. So according to the contract, Murray's going to need to study material provided to him by the club in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game. Murray will receive credit for completing his film study according to the contract. However, the addendum states the time that Murray spends in mandatory meetings studying does not count and that Murray also won't receive credit if he does not personally study the provided material in good faith. What? What? Um, wow. It, it goes on. The addendum also states that Murray will not get credit if he's not studying or watching material while it plays on his tablet or if he's doing something that can distract him or draw his attention elsewhere while the material is playing, such as playing video games, watching TV or browsing the Internet. Is this the first quarterback in the NFL, in NFL history, that doesn't like to study game tape, doesn't try to do everything he can to understand the opponent and how to attack the opponent and how to better understand how things are working with his offense. I've never seen nor heard anything quite like it. My goodness gracious. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, so, so we shall see, um, our guest list today is long and, uh, distinguished. Yes, it is. Um, Raymond Parsh, the third RP three will be joining us in just a few minutes as the Sunbelt conference media days are underway. The Cajuns of course, will, uh, have their time at the podium tomorrow, but it's a, it's a new league. It's, it, it's, a, it's good. It's exciting of a new look, 14 team league. And how is that going to change things? Right. How, how, how is everything going to pan out in coach Desimo's first time as the head coach? And you have the addition of James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. Sun Belt Belt is as deep as it's ever been. How much tougher is this league going to be for the defending champions? And we'll talk about that and much, much more. Matthew Bruni will join us. Uh, Tigers get ready to report to camp. We'll get the latest slowdown on that. Oh, by the way, I did go and attend the unveiling of the Pete Maravich um, statue. Very nice um, celebration. We were invited into the um, practice court facility. Um, We heard my coach, Dale Brown, speak. We heard uh, Pete's 
uh, widow Jackie speak. Uh, it was very nice. The, the Pete's two boys were there as well. Very well done. And then they unveiled it. And it's Pete with the kind of making a behind the back pass. Um, very good. Very, very well done. Brian Hanlon does a tremendous job. Brian, the same, the same uh, sculptor, I guess you would call it, that did the Bob Pettit, Shaquille O'Neal, now Pete, and he's going to be working on the Simone Augusta statue. Also did the Billy Cannon statue, and I'm sure soon to be a Joe Burrow statue as LSU's finally come out of the uh, the Arc Ages and the, the, the Neanderthal era and is getting things done and done the right way. Again, as I told um, the Maravich boys, I said, look, don't don't be concerned that it took so long. It's better. Uh, it's, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? And at least you were here to see it, and that's awesome. Should have been done a long, long, long time ago, but the political nature that uh, surrounds LSU uh, really took some forward progress with the help of some, some board members who were um, diligent in their cause for this, and that's, uh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Bill Belichick said that um, his quarterback, Matt Jones, has made tremendous strides. He says the improvements are eye-opening and easy to see. His arm strength looks better. The poise of a veteran and how he commanded his offense with confidence. Deep throw after deep throw. Quote, I think Mac's done a great job. He's worked extremely hard. He's got a tremendous work ethic in all areas. I think there's a dramatic improvement. His physical work and conditioning, working on his mechanics, working on his footwork, working on his understanding of offense, all those things have been outstanding. Speaking of uh, um, quarterbacks, Drew Brees um, is continuing to give hints that um, – he wants to get back into broadcasting or maybe get into the world of Hollywood. What? Now, Drew's going to be headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in a couple of years, uh, but he might be headed to Hollywood before then. Months after acknowledging his uncertain future, the retired longtime Saints quarterback spoke with CBS Sports this week, exclusively revealing that he could soon return to the field for the movies. After a year as an NFL analyst for NBC Sports, Breeze is starring alongside his three boys in a new ad for Great Clips, promoting the salon's back-to-school campaign. He was asked recently if he's more likely to take another NFL snap or fully pivot to an acting career. The 13-time Pro Bowler floated an alternative. Well, I don't think I'll be taking a, well, how about this? How about I take a snap under center? But in a movie, how about that? Then I can accomplish both. Um, wow. Breeze comments come less than a year after Rams legend Kurt Warner took his NFL story to the big screen with American Underdog. Is it possible Breeze is plotting a spinoff to the former following his rise from a Chargers cast off to a Saints icon? Wouldn't that be fascinating? Count me in. Count me in. Those are just some of your headlines of the day. And today we are brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, I'm telling you, with everything they have, all the great deals, all the great 
products, all the savings. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets, man, I'm telling you, you just can't shop right at all. All right, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown in the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're heading down to Nolens, where um, the game is uh, taking over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. It got underway today. RP3, Raymond Parsh III joins us next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And this week, your home for Sunbelt Media Days. We'll be right back. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, they're in the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. It began today, continues on Wednesday. RP3 and company did his show this morning, as did Footnotes. Crunch Time will be broadcasting after our show today from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. So be sure to continue tuning in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station he was up bright and early i mean he's been he's been a traveling vagabond um from atlanta now to new orleans i can think of worse places to have to go my goodness but uh, rp3 raymond parse the third kind enough to join us to tell us what's been going on at sunbelt conference media days raymond thank you so much i know it's a lot of work and you're busy but i appreciate the time buddy how are you I'm doing great, buddy. I'm doing great. Had lunch. Your name came up for, with three different people, brother. Uh-oh. Wanted to know how Jordy is doing, my friend. So well, even though you that... may not be here, you're here with us in spirit, brother. Well, that is nice to hear. Very nice to hear. It's kind of it's got to be a buzz, a, a very happy buzz around the Sun Belt Conference. You got UL, the defending champion, Coastal Carolina, App State. Those are two really uh, competitive teams nationally. And then you've got these new four editions of Old Dominion, Southern Miss, Marshall, and James Madison. It's, it's got to be a pretty good vibe over there, I would think. I mean, the vibe is ridiculous, just how positive and overwhelmingly positive it is. You know, it started off this morning with Commissioner Gill making the announcement that the ESPN deal has been expanded, and it's going to include more than 6,000 more events uh, with their agreement. Within that agreement goes through, I do believe, 2030 to 2031, which means more baseball, more softball games are going to be broadcast through the ESPN platform. So uh, lots of excitement there about that. And look, the excitement is, is that they can now claim that they are the best group of five conference. I mean, no I, I don't think that's even really debated after the Big 12 poach conference USA and, and some of the American. They're, they're the best. And then 
the great thing is that there's a lot of excitement because, Jordy, what they did, and you're old enough to remember this, they're adding a lot of teams into this conference that have existing rivalries with teams already in the conference that moved up over the years, right? So that is Marshall, as you know, won national championship at the mm-hmm. lower level in FCS. App State has done that. James Madison has played for national championships. Yeah, so all these teams used to play each other all the time, and then over the years they've moved up to the bigger level. Now they're all together again. So you have a lot of older rivalries that are being renewed, and every coach that's taken the stage, from Sean Clark at App State this morning all the way through Jamie Chadwell just now with Coastal Carolina, who's up on stage as we speak, they all talk about the regional feel of the conference and how mm-hmm. – it's going to help with travel expenses and how the conference is a conference with states that are connected. That's been the big phrase used today yeah. is we're a conference that's connected. We have to, you know, we're going to reduce the number of, you know, frequent flyer miles that we're having to use on games because we're playing games that our fans can drive to, Jordy. And, and that's yeah. been a, a big sense of pride here today in New Orleans. Is the Sun Belt was aggressive. They decided to be proactive, expand their conference, expand their footprint, but they didn't leave their footprint. They just weren't adding teams to, to add them just to have a team. They added teams yeah. that made sense for regional rivalries, that made sense for travel purposes, not only for football, but as you know, more importantly, basketball, baseball, and softball, because that's where you that's really right. uh, rack up the expenses when it yeah. comes to traveling for conference play. And everyone is just over the moon uh, about how the Sun Belt – took a great approach. They didn't do what Conference USA did. They didn't do what others did and just randomly went and desperate after teams. They went after teams that had existing rivalries with everyone, and it just helped beef up That's awesome. what is arguably that the is, best group yeah. of five conference in the country. That's just smart planning on the Sunbelt Conference's part. How, how uh, you know, you see – other schools um, that have a new head coach, you see other schools that lose their starting quarterback, um, and they're not thought of very highly. What is going on? There's a new coach for the Cajuns. Billy Napier's gone to Florida. Um, Levi Lewis is gone, and yet still the leading vote-getting team, according to the coaches, are the Asian Cajuns. How does that happen? Well, it happened to be perfectly frank with you, Jordy. Uh, look, the East Division is what they're, is, the, is the one that they're calling the beast. I mean, that's what has been used around here today okay. because in the East you have App State and you have Coastal and you have Georgia State who's always sneaky good. Now you have new coaches at Georgia Southern with Clay Hilton who's whip smart, and I think he's going to win a lot at Georgia Southern. And you're adding James Madison and you're adding Old Dominion just on that side of the right. conference. On the West, it's the Cajuns and then pretty much everyone else. I think South Alabama presents its biggest threat. Uh, They should have won that game. The Jaguars should have beat the Cajuns. I was at that game in Mobile in the rain. They kind of lucked up there in South Alabama, let that one get away from them because they're still trying to learn how to win as a program Mm -hmm. under Kane Womack, and that was his first year as head coach of the Jaguars. They present the biggest challenge. They have to figure out what to do at quarterback. But the rest of the West, you just kind of look at it and you go, eh, okay, well, ULM. God bless Terry Bowden for taking the job, and he's trying yeah. his best there. But that's you know that that's an impossible place to be able right. to win and do anything with. You, you can't. It's just, it's just it's just not a place to be able to do that. So they're in the West. Arkansas State 
Butch Jones is entering year two. They didn't really impress anyone all that much last year with how they played, and they've been kind of trending down. So you still don't know what you're going to get out of them. Troy is interesting because they come over from the East Division and come over to the West. They're loaded on defense, but they got a new first-year head coach. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of question marks when it comes to the West Division. What you do know from other coaches is that they do have a lot of talent returning. The Cajuns got to figure out offensive line because they have to replace multiple starter, starters, including a guy that went and transferred to go play for Billy Napier at Florida. They have to replace right. two running backs. And you can yeah. see that on the preseason team where they had five honorees but only one offensive player, right? right. The question mark, right. quarterback, offensive line. What are they going to do there? They're loaded at wide receiver. they got an abundance of guys that could be number one wide receivers. I think Coach Dez is going to have a number one wide receiver. I really do. I think they're going to probably be the Jefferson kid who transferred in from Alabama uh, A&M last year or maybe Peter LeBlanc from Catholic High of New Iberia. But they got to mm-hmm. figure out quarterback. Is that Chandler Fields? Yeah. He was a top recruit. He's been the backup. I don't know. But even with all the question marks, Jordy, the rest of the division is down, and people have okay. more question marks about them that they believe the Cajuns, even with That's no good. Levi Lewis, even with no Billy Napier, they still believe they're good enough to win the West. Now, whether or not they're good enough to win the overall conference, that's a different story. RP3 with us uh, live in New Orleans for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. You got to get me a photo op, all right? You got to get uh, Terry Bowden, used to coach at Auburn. You got to get me Butch Jones, that used to coach at Tennessee. You got to get me Clay Helton, that used to coach at USC, and get them all together in one picture and say, How you like me now? Man, they just, they just love to coach. Well, look, I, I already took a photo with Clay earlier today, so I can send you that, brother. I got I got Terry and Butch scheduled to be interviewed live on the air tomorrow, so I can take care of that for you. <laughs> That's awesome. How, how's Clay adapting to uh, life away from uh, uh, Los Angeles and now back in in the deep south in Georgia? You know, Jordy, I think it may be the best thing for him. To be honest with you, I, he he when talking to him, and I was able to talk to him because we had some downtime before we brought him on during the break, mm-hmm. and just kind of talking to him. He seems immensely confident, assured of himself. There's no nervousness there or anything. And, look, people forget Clay Hill's a Southern boy. He's from Florida. He played college football in the South. And he spent his majority of his coaching career as an assistant in the South before he got to USC and went over to USC as an assistant and moved his way up. Uh, Look, he has been able – I think it's the perfect place for Clay. I I just do because I think it's the right level for him – Sometimes those bigger jobs, guys aren't just cut out for, and for a litany of different reasons. You know, I'll use a baseball terminology. Look, Smoke Laval, great guy. He was a great coach. He just wasn't right for being the head coach at LSU baseball program, right? I mean, he could coach underneath that level. He just couldn't coach LSU consistently. Some guys are built for the top-tier level. Other guys are built for a program like this. I mean, he even made the joke that his commute now takes him like five minutes. That he can go <laughs> anywhere nice. that he needs to go, that he can jump, jump over to the stadium, that he can do this and do this, and it's not an issue for him. I think yeah. the more relaxed atmosphere there with Georgia Southern is going to bode well for him. And he's a smart guy, right? He's a good yeah. coach. It, he you had know, a, USC had a pretty good record at USC. Wasn't that bad? Without the discussion for another day. Yeah. But I think this is going to be a good fit. You know, he convinced some guys to stay. The state committee come back another year. He got himself a transfer quarterback out of Buffalo who started – I think 10 games last season up there. He's going to come in to be his quarterback. I, I like Clay Hilton. I think he seems at peace for everything that happened with USC. And look, 
he didn't wait very long at all, Jordy. I mean, no. he took that job in November. Yep. You know, the, yep. they fired him at USC. He jumped on that job, and they were very aggressive and went after him and said, hey, we want you to be our guy. And he came in and awesome. got a kind of lay of the land and got to see the team while they were being coached by interim coach and took over and everything. I think maybe not this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Clay Hilton have a lot of success at Georgia Southern. And if I'm a Georgia Southern fan, I welcome him because, man, we didn't they always run the ball forever and ever and ever in a day? And now Helton, he, he's not a runner. He's more of a spread offense guy from what I recall at USC. So they ought to be a lot more fun to watch. Oh, they're going to they're gonna be a ton more fun to watch, and he's going to bring some some wrinkles to the offense that they haven't, uh, you know, haven't seen in, in, in years, uh, absolutely. And so, yeah. There's a lot of buzz. Well, once again, that's another team in the East. The East is absolutely stacked. And we haven't even got to James Madison, who is a team that played for a national championship a couple years ago and had to play two seasons last year because of the pandemic. And they're not allowed to go to a bowl game. And they're not allowed to play, you know, win the conference championship or play for the conference championship. And their coach, let me tell you, that guy, ooh, he's got some energy about him. And he's got, you know, as the kids like to say, swag, Jordy. Yeah, uh, he's got right. plenty of it. He's like, look, we're not, well, we don't care that we're not going to be able to play for a championship. Uh, we're going to be winning championships in the future. I can tell you that. That's going to happen yeah. sooner than later. He was the one that's so far been the, the most bold, I guess you would say, uh, the most okay. cocky um, okay. about joining the conference, but, I mean, that's going to be a really good team that's going to follow that blueprint that Georgia Southern did years ago, that App State has recently done. You can make the move up from FCS to FBS, and you can have success fairly quickly. Those programs show that you can do it, and James Madison believes they can do the same thing. James Madison was only 12-2 and two last year. The Cajuns, of course, were 13-1. and one. Coastal was 11-2. and two. App State was 10-4. and four. So uh, we'll see what happens. And, of course, Marshall wants the Cajuns badly um, because they lost to the Cajuns in the New Orleans Bowl last year. So there you have it. All right, RP3. Um, you, you enjoying some of the, the food and festivities of my, of my hometown from back in the day? Well, but uh, – the, the lovely McDonald's, Dan and Mary Beth, as you well know, uh, they were down here and they invited Kevin Foote and I and, and Matt Miguez to dinner and they chose Acme Oyster House, which in all nice. the times I've been to New Orleans, I even lived in the West Bank for when I was a kid, never went to, never been to. I went with the half pool boy and the gumbo, my friend, and I was not disappointed last night, brother. Uh, it's a staple. Very good. All right, man. Um, does your family remember you? I mean, you've been gone, man. You've been gone. Are you all right? <laughs> well, brother, it, it works out. It works out this way that yes, they. they uh, I'm, I'm beginning the sad eyes for my uh, seven year old daughter. But we leave Thursday afternoon for a road trip vacation. I'll be gone a week from the airwaves and get to spend some quality family time. So I'm gonna make it up to them on the road trip. Good for you. Enjoy every minute. All right, we'll see you. We'll we'll hear you and see you tomorrow morning. Um, I thank you. And look, if when, when do the Cajuns? Uh, when when is their time at the at the podium? They're around, you know, they're they're around the middle of the day. So um, if you want to, uh, I can give you an update tomorrow, brother. Two fifteen. You're on the books, big guy. Thank you. Have a great day, and uh, thank you for all your help. All right, brother.
You got it. Raymond Parse III, live from Nolens and Sunbelt Conference Media Days. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back. We'll shift gears to Louisiana State University. All the things happening there with Matthew Bruni here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 26, 1988. Philadelphia Philly slugger Mike Schmidt sets a National League record, appearing in 2,155 games at third base. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 37 minutes after the hour. Let's talk all things LSU and Tiger Town with our good friend from Go247 Sports, Matthew Bruni, joining us. Matthew, you got to get away from this, uh, the basketball tournament, man. This thing's going to drive you crazy, man. What, what, what are you doing watching that crazy thing? So, what happened is uh, my alum, uh, the school I went to, the University of North Texas, had a team for the very first time in their. And it had like oh, yeah. three or four players that I used to cover and stuff. So it was, it was interesting, man. It was, it was nothing else to watch. And as you know, I'm, I only watch sports, so I don't even watch the Netflix or anything like that. Do they have anything? Is it the Mean Joe Green Stadium or something? Do they have anything named after Mean Joe? We've got a statue. They, they, they put a statue up right in front of the stadium. Um, but other than that, um, I don't think so. They've done some like, homages to him he's always around and stuff like that so i've met him before but yeah it's a it's a he's a big deal i sure hope that they um have a a jersey and a can of coke coca-cola on that statue somewhere (laughs) you know how some people put flowers and stuff they gotta have that on the statue they show his at the end of every third quarter you know how lsu they do calling baton rouge after third quarter at the end of every third quarter at north texas they show that commercial Going to the fourth quarter. So, yeah, that's love a tradition it. there. I love it. Those are great traditions. That um, The Red Sox always play Sweet Caroline in the seventh inning. Yep. Uh, and that's cool stuff, man. I, I wish more teams would do that. All right. Um, good luck to the, you know, with the basketball tournament and the mean green. Um, he, he may not even be a starter right now, but what's – Micah Baskerville's been named to the Butkus Award watch list. What's up with that? Yeah, um, I guess that's what happens when, you know, you get uh, whoever their panel is that decides it and you go through and say, this guy is the top leading tackle um, stats-wise, the leading tackler on an SEC team because, uh, okay. yeah, that, that kind of caught me off guard. I think most people would have expected Mike Jones just off of uh, preseason. You know, he was Mike Jones was selected like preseason uh, SEC, or he was on the ballot at least, uh, I think. Most people would have expected that, but, you know, if nothing else, Baskerville is the most experienced and has the most tackles. Watch lists are always weird because they can fluctuate. Like if Mike right. Jones ends up putting up 150 tackles, they can add him on there. So it doesn't mean a ton, but, yeah, it did, did uh, surprise me a little bit that they just threw him uh, on there. Yeah, Matthew Bruni, go 247 Sports LSU's in its final full week before the start of fall camp. Do we know exactly what day camp starts? Have they said anything? I've heard uh, August 2nd. That's what I've heard. I had, that has not been made 
completely public yet, but I guess I'll I'll make it public on here. I, I guess that that's what I've heard uh, around the team. So the summer workouts are over. I'm sure there's been a lot of um, notebook uh, studies with plays and thoughts. Uh, as, as we enter this camp, how many realistically, there's a lot of players that are that are already starting. And how many positions do you think are up for grabs on this team? And that will tell a lot about this team as far as how much experience is coming back. Um, the fact that we don't have one quarterback yet that has risen above all the rest. How many positions do you think are up for grabs? I think quarterback, obviously, uh, you go past that. I think most people have pinned in a John Emery to start running back. Receivers right. team set with Boutet, Thomas Neighbors, Besh. Uh, tight end, it's probably going to be Cole Taylor. Uh, Mashburn will get plenty. But the offensive line is where I really, when I start to look at competition, I think that's where it starts for me. Brian Kelly okay. talked a lot at the SEC media days about the offensive line needing to come together and them needing to figure it out. And while I think the five that they had out there for spring in Campbell, Shorts, Turner, Frazier, Wire, I think that's a good five. I mean, there's a lot of competition, that, in, especially on the in, interior of the offensive line, whether it's Anthony Bradford, Garrett Dellinger, go down the list. So offensive line, where I'm starting when I look at competition, mm-hmm. I mean, as well as quarterback, but that's obvious. Yeah. And then defensively, D-line is set. Um, I think the secondary is pretty much set. I would, I'd be pretty surprised if, you know, the four transfers and Jay Ward weren't the starters. Um, okay. And then linebacker, we talked about Mike, um, uh, Michael Baskerville. I don't think he's going to start. I think he's going to play plenty, but I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. start. But I guess that would be one where I wouldn't completely rule it out yet. Interesting. Um, if you had to bet today, who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback? <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, this never, this never gets easier. This never gets I know. Easier. Um, it really doesn't. I okay, yeah. You asked me who I think it's going to be. Yeah. If I had to bet on it, and all the all the odds were even, I would bet on Brennan probably. But <laughs> personally, I think it should probably be Nussmeyer. So that's 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 all I got for that one. I'm gonna go that's against tough. the grain. I think it's gonna be Daniels. I, I think his ability yeah, to run, the fact that he's had so many starts under his belt, the t- the fact that he had – and look, I have no inside information. I, I I want the best to play, the whatever gives the best the team the best chance to win. I think that um, transferring over, not being acclimated and understanding anything about this team or this coach and all this yeah. stuff, I, it takes a while to get used to. But the things that he brings, experience, his ability to – to improvise and to make plays and i've seen him throw the football he ain't bad he's yeah. not bad yeah. now he's got some time under his belt he's 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 gone through a spring practice he's had the summertime uh, apparently he's had a lot of players out there in california with him doing some stuff i would be uh, if i had to place a diet coke on it all things being equal I think Jaden Daniels is the guy. I just I find it hard to believe that a guy would transfer from from Arizona State and come to LSU and sit on the bench. That just doesn't make sense to me. But 
I mean, I've been wrong before, yeah. but I just when push comes to shove, I think his ability to improvise, to make plays, I think that wins out. But we'll see. Right? We'll see. Yeah, it's um that's the thing. You and I might be higher on Daniels than almost anybody else in in, in Baton Rouge or all of Louisiana. Like we we mm-hmm. both the whole summer had been, you know, talking him up and then on our board it's just nobody believes in Daniels to be the starter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which I don't fully understand because, like you said, he has way more experience than any of the other two quarterbacks. So no um, I, I am completely with you. I don't really think there's a wrong choice because I trust Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock to make the right, right. decision. I'm right. just saying based on what I've seen, yeah. I think Nesmeyer has the most talent and can throw the ball and really be special if he reaches his potential, which is a big if. And, and and I always go back to this. I always go back to this. Spring football to me means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Um, so I've seen I've seen DJ Chark kill it in spring ball, and when the fall comes for two years, he never saw the field. Now he's playing in the NFL. So so go 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 figure that one, Les Miles. But um <laughs> I, I, I never understood it. So I always take a spring game with a grain of salt. But I'm in agreement with you. I I fully believe that what you saw coming out of spring from the offensive line, I don't think that's going to be who you're going to see when they line up against Florida State. I, I just think there's too many guys that have played before that are coming off injuries that kind of understand the ropes and know what's going on. That's going to be highly, highly competitive. The good thing, though, right, is they got depth there. That's not always been the case. Yeah, there, there might not be um, there. There might be some uncertainty as far as like, oh, who's going to start where? But I think you have a lot of solid options. I'm not going to say any of these guys are going to be elite, you know. I don't think there's they're going to have, you know, first, second round draft picks anywhere right. here, but I think at the very least you have uh very solid players at this moment. Obviously, Will Campbell can turn into a high, you know, high-level player, but as a freshman, you know, expectations are tempered. Um I I mentioned Garrett Dellinger, I mentioned Anthony Bradford, I think Marlon Martinez is the guy who started a few games last year who yeah. Um, was out for the spring. They can bring him in. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just there's too much uncertainty. I think a lot of people have pit, uh, put a sharpie in for Will Campbell at tackle, and well, I think he's really really good. I don't I don't think any of the five spots are locked in at this moment. I'm with you. Um, who's the center going to be? Is there a competition there? There's been so obviously Charles Turner started at center throughout the spring. I think there's definitely competition there for it. It's just who. Will Brad Davis want to move inside to try to compete for that job? Do you move in Garrett Dellinger? Uh, you know, they had Fitzgerald West, who's a freshman. I don't think he would be there, but he is a center. Um, okay. You could move in uh, Tremont Shorts, the transfer, who's playing guard right now. You know, there are options there for whoever okay. you want to try at center. Just Charles Turner is the only one that has been playing there throughout, who has gotcha. played there throughout the spring, and that we kind of know that can yeah. do it, you know, if nothing else. Very, very important position. Um, do you think they put the the sheets of paper in everybody's locker that says, hey, um, you're picked to finish fifth in the SEC West? How about that? What did you think about that? Yeah. Well, I was I, I voted on that on that uh I, I got a ballot, man. And so yeah. uh, I, I put them fourth. Um okay. I they were close behind 
Uh, they were close behind Ole Miss as far as votes goes, so it's not like they were way behind right. Ole Miss or Arkansas. But, um, yeah, I, I had them fourth. Uh, they're still going to have to prove it to me in, in some areas here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think five isn't crazy because, again, you're talking about national media, right? So you're talking yes. about the perception of LSU right now, and I think we all know what the perception is. You've got to prove it to us. And that's right. the case everywhere so uh arkansas you know coming off a really good year Ole miss coming off a really good year so those guys even if they don't have as much talent on paper as lsu who has you know Boutte, smith uh Ojolari, you know all these great players you, you got to prove it they've had talent the past two years and it hasn't amounted so all we'll those teams the have is with kelly you should be able to prove it i think the whole thing is those teams, the Arkansas, they they have quarterbacks coming back. Nobody knows who the quarterback for LSU is. And when you have uncertainty at the number one position on the field, that's going to bring uncertainty about your whole program. So we shall see. What what was your feelings, at, real quickly, um, about how Brian Kelly handled himself? Because I thought LSU nationally was thought of kind of like behind their back. Yeah, they got great talent, but man, they man they screw it up and they're kind of goofy and this, that, and the other. Brian Kelly gives a whole different vibe, doesn't he? Yes, definitely. I mean, you could tell during the so there were we got to talk to Kelly. The local media got to talk to Kelly for about like six, seven, eight minutes beforehand, which was good because we got all our like you know, actual stuff in before he went to the main stage and talked to the mm-hmm. national, you know, uh, people. And so you could tell the national people were still asking him about getting adjusted, getting him uh, about Notre Dame, about um, the dancing videos, the accent and stuff. And I'm just like, man, yeah, this is, this is still the perception to a degree. It's like now it just, you have to get on the field and just win to a degree because obviously we know Brian Kelly is a serious guy that is here to, fix a lot of what's broken and until that happens until he starts winning games the, the perception i think of lsu is still going to be all right well they have all this talent but you know is their coach going to be able to rein it in and i think there's no reason why kelly shouldn't be able to do that and i think next sec media day should be very different yeah you're right matthew bernie go to four seven sports real quick um you like the statue of my man pistol pete Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, it obviously, great. I mean, like, like you know, I'm a big basketball guy, so it's it's just awesome to have three of the top 75 players ever, you know, just ever. immortalized right there. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. That and then you got the Mona Gusses cool. going up in a few years or whenever that's going up, and that's huge as well. So that'll be awesome. Pretty dark. Um, you're going to get Augustus up, and then you're going to get a Joe Burrow um, statue by Tiger Stadium. Yeah. So those are the next two for sure. Uh, Matthew Bruni, you're the best, man. Thank you so much. It's always fun talking to you, buddy. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right, you got it. You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand-new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the GAME Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Back to wrap up our number one next here on the Jordy Hilpert Show. 
All right, welcome back. Our number one's in the books. We'll go uh, to Saturday Down South's Adam Spencer um, and his thoughts on SEC Media Days, his thoughts on the LSU Tigers in our number two, and then Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, another black and gold report as the Saints are on the eve of training camp. What has to happen for this club to be as successful as we hope they will be. So the game brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Simple mission statement. I just want to serve the customers, you, and see you smile when you leave. Um, they've got everything you need under the sun, clean uh, with, with brand new stores filled with Louisiana products, clean uh, restrooms, and, uh, and everything else. So whether you need uh, some food or some drink or some adult beverages um, or just a pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus and Discount Outlets are there for you. If you can't ShopRite at ShopRite, I'm telling you, you just can't ShopRite at all. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show, straight ahead here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home to the LSU Tigers, the Houston Astros. And this week, Sunbelt Conference Media Days from the Big Easy in the Islands, right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll be back. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. We took you to Sunbelt Conference Media Days. In hour number one, we talked all things LSU football in uh, with Matthew Bruni. But we start off hour number two on this Tuesday, July 26th, with our good friend from Saturday down south, the one and only Mr. Adam Spencer. Adam, how the heck has your summer been, man? Hugs. Oh doing great uh it's been a great summer and uh not quite over yet but once that calendar turns over to august then it's uh then it starts to be football season yeah we're about to start training camp for all these teams and um you wrote an article and i was very curious um how after that kick six um return for auburn over alabama that nick saban was seriously contemplating getting out of coaching tell me about that yeah, I mean, that's from a new book by John Talty. And, uh, yeah, he said uh, in that book that there was a meeting set up between Nick Saban and executives from ESPN uh, in Pasadena, California. So he uh, he took that meeting, and it sounds like he was asking some questions about the culture at college game day and what it was like to work there. And, uh, you know, it, it makes some sense. You know, he's been on that show plenty of times yeah. before. You know, he knows how to play the media and uh, knows what it does for recruiting and stuff. So. He's done that before, and, uh, you know, he's after that kick six, you know, there were some Alabama fans who did not take that loss very well. And, uh, you know, when you've, <laughs> won, when you've won three titles at a school, you think you get some semblance of uh, grace period, especially when he won it in 2012. And, uh, and then the, the kick six loss was in 2013. But, uh, you know, I think he was just a little frustrated with uh, the way some of the Alabama fans reacted to that, to that loss. 
Yeah, so he just went out and won it in 2015, won another in 2017, and then took three years, heavens of mercy, to, to only win it again in 2020. Um, if you had to bet Alabama or the field to win the national championship this year, who would you take? Oh, I'm taking Alabama all the way. I mean, I think yeah. that this is going to be one of the more dominant teams that we've seen recently, you know, up there with that. I mean, and, and that's saying something because, the past four champions or the past three champions have been, you know, 2019 LSU, one of the best teams ever 2020 Alabama, you know, one of the, one of the best teams ever right after that by some metrics. And then, you know, so there's a legitimate debate between 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama and then 2021 Georgia, you know, one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen in college football. So it's going to be a tough act to follow, but uh, you know, I, I really just don't see anybody else with, the stockpile of talent that uh, that Nick Saban has in Tuscaloosa this year. If if let's go back to that, the 2019 LSU team, the 2020 Alabama team, and the 2021 Georgia team. I, I think both LSU and Alabama, those offenses. I don't care how good Georgia's defense is. Uh, I still think they score points on Georgia. Agree or disagree? Um. Yeah, I mean that LSU that LSU offense was was special. Um, yeah, I mean you saw what uh, like last year's Alabama offense they had a day against against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Yeah. So you know that was it's it's just that was a special LSU team. So I think that they you know make it close and uh, you know I I do think that the 2019 LSU team would have the edge over the 2021 Georgia team just based on all around greatness uh you yeah. know george's injuries in the receiving core you know george pickens wasn't at full strength last year in the playoffs so you know i think that all that comes back to hurt the 2021 dogs a little bit so I'll, i would yeah. i would take the i would take 2019 lsu for sure i would take them over all of them i just just give me joe burrow and then the wealth of talent that team had i i just don't think anybody beats them uh under his his leadership but we shall see um what was your impression of of Brian Kelly at SEC Media Days? Did you learn anything? Do you have a different opinion of him now, or did he just um, reassure what you already thought? Um, I thought he was a little nervous at first. You know, he didn't have to do many of these media days things the past uh, several years being at being at uh, at Notre Dame. So yeah. you know, it took him a while to warm up to the room and stuff, but. Uh, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what he says or does or how fake of a southern accent he has. Though I did think, you know, he had a a funny response when asked about it. You know, but uh, it's he wins football games. That's what he's paid to do. That's what he's done everywhere he's ever been. That's what he's going to do at LSU. He's 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 a football game winner, and that's all that matters. You can have the greatest personality that you want. You can be the okay. most LSU coach that has ever like if you drew up the perfect LSU coach you would draw up Coach O and he won the title but now he's no longer the coach so you got to win football games no matter how entertaining you are Uh, and and by the same token you know if you're boring as heck but you win fans are going to love you you know Billy Napier was you know not very engaging he was kind of boring at the at the main stage but uh, if he wins games he'll be in florida for the next decade so i think brian kelly has 
I think Brian Kelly has proven himself that he knows how to win college football games. And if he keeps doing that, it doesn't matter what he says at these media days. That's just, uh, that's just for, for us in the media and for the fans to kind of enjoy. But don't you get a sense that, you know, Ed was a kind of a cartoon character. Les Miles was as goofy as they get. Uh, Nick Saban was all business. It just seems that Brian Kelly's all business. He just gives this fan base the the feeling of, okay, we got somebody that knows what he's doing, he's been there, done that, and it's going to be a whole different way about doing things, and it's going to be more professional as compared. Now, Les won a championship, O won a championship, but you always had those doubts. I thought. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, uh, but by that same token, you know, if 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 Brian Kelly makes things more professional, and uh, you know, the more professional atmosphere just gets you eight and four and nine and three over and over again, then he'll be kicked to the curb soon enough, too. You know, it's it's just it's all about at LSU, especially where there's just so much talent in LSU in Louisiana and in. Texas and you know throughout the SEC footprint there and they get a lot of that top talent and if you get that top talent and you don't put it into titles then you're gonna be out sooner rather than later so I I think that uh, maybe they'll develop some more consistency to where they don't uh, they don't bottom out after these these high points in their program but uh If they don't, if they don't also reach those high points under Brian Kelly, then uh, he won't last as long as uh, even Les Miles did. No question, uh, Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. I wanted your thoughts on. It appears that the NCAA is closing in on making player movement even easier, proposing unlimited transfers without sitting out a season and losing a year of eligibility. Why? Why are they doing this? And what, what does that mean for the sport of college football, in your opinion? I don't think it means too much else than we're getting right now. Um, you know, I, I haven't run in. There haven't been too many cases where, I mean, even now when players transfer and then transfer again, the NCAA has been handing out immediate waivers to pretty much okay. everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, especially – if a player transfers once and then after his first season there, the coach leaves, I mean, he should be able to transfer again. I I don't mind it. I don't think it's going to change too, too much. I mean, we're still going to have those guys, you know, there's, there's a handful of guys in college football who, you know, by the time their career is over, it's like, Oh wow. They played for four schools in six years. Um, I mean, we'll get some guys who have played for like four schools in five years now, but I, I don't think that this new rule is going to uh, change too much that's already, from this current landscape that's already uh, pretty much a free-for-all in terms of transferring. I got you. Um, you. You said you'd take Alabama over the field. I would as well. Um Take Alabama out of the equation. Take Georgia out of the equation. Do you have a team that you are um, uh, think are going to surprise people this year? Um, you know, I think that uh, I think that it's a popular pick, but USC is doing some good things there. I mean, Lincoln Riley knows how to get to the college football playoff, uh, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if USC runs the table uh, out out west there and. And gets to the gets to the playoff. Um, you know, 
Lincoln Riley has never won a game what, in the playoff, and that could continue yeah. this year. Um, what about from the SEC? What about in the, the SEC, SEC, though? Um, you know, I, I think that there's a pretty big drop-off uh, after after Alabama and Georgia. Um, okay. You know, I would have – potentially I would have Tennessee – third there um you know I, I think texas a and is still a year away from really putting it all together which i know will frustrate texas a&m fans but uh yeah. you know i think that if they get to 10 wins this year then that's a that's a plus because you know whether or not they start haynes king or max johnson i don't think that that's the quarterback that's going to take them to the next level yet i think that they have that guy on their roster in connor wagman but uh I think he needs a year to sort of learn the ropes and then really compete for the starting job in 2023. Um, so Texas A&M, I think, is out. But uh, yeah, with him and Hooker and Cedric Tillman, and then you've got you know a solid running game and that fast-paced offense that can put up 45 points on pretty much anyone, you know, I think the Tennessee is an interesting team to watch. Uh, it's just going to be about how that defense fares, which is always a question for Josh Heupel teams. Why, why are so many people thinking that Mississippi State's going to be good this year? Are you in that group? Um, I think that they'll be middle of the road. I didn't have them. I think I had them picked sixth in the SEC West uh, ahead of Auburn. Okay. So I, I'm not too high on them. I think that they'll you know, maybe win six or seven games and, uh, and get to a, a, a decent bowl game. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's about the – the limit there. I mean, they lose their top receiver, a guy who caught like you know 120 passes or something like that last year. They lose a top 10 pick in left tackle Charles Cross. I think that losing Cross is going to be a big time uh, hit for that offensive line. And uh, you know, Will Rogers is going to have a little less time to operate this year. Um, and I think he's a great quarterback. And I think Mike Leach's offense, you know, does really well. I think he's learned. Mm-hmm you know, a little bit more about the SEC and what it takes to have consistent success offensively in this league. But, uh, yeah, I think that they will be a middle-of-the-road team. I don't know why so many people are picking them, like, third in the West. A lot of people picking Ole Miss very highly as well. Um, I don't know who has the better record this year, Ole Miss or, or the Bulldogs from Starkville. I, I have, I'm high on Ole Miss this year. I, I had them at second. And, you know, they won 10 games last year and finished second in the West. Uh, you know, I think that that I know that they lost both coordinators, but I just love the work that Lane Kiffin did in the in the transfer portal. You know, I think that they have up there with, uh, you know, up there with the Alabamas and the, and the Georgias and the, uh, you know, they have a great running back room in, in uh, Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley, who I think didn't get enough love for what he did in the group of five ranks. Um, and then they brought in a tight end from from USC, Michael Trigg. You know, Jackson Dart's a new quarterback. But, like, they also improved their defense. This is mm-hmm. going to be a, an improved defense. Uh, you know, they've got – they addressed some major needs in, in the transfer portal. And I just think that the, the days of Ole Miss, you know, scoring 40 but giving up 45 are over. You know, I think they'll still score 40. But I think if they can keep the opponent scoring average around 30 – then that, they'll be set up really well Go win. going another, win. All going right. another run in the West. With the lowdown, um, we're getting ready to get this thing kicked off. Greatly appreciate your time as always, buddy. Thank you so very much. Yeah, I'm sure I'll uh, be talking to you soon with the season drawing closer. 
I promise you will, buddy. I promise you will. Thank you so much. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. It's taken over the Big Easy. Sunbelt Conference media days are underway. Began today, continues on Wednesday. And RP3 and company footnotes, footnotes, excuse me, and crunch time will be broadcasting from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game southwest louisiana's sports station black and gold report next the jordy helpert show 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the houston astros your home for the lsu tigers and this week your home for sunbelt media days It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. I was fortunate enough to be invited to be a guest on the Bayou Blitz podcast, of which Bob Rose is a uh, very important factor in. And so Bob is... uh, Kind enough to join us as he does each and every Tuesday. Bob, I had a lot of fun with that, man. And uh, thank you for the invite again. Oh, Jordy, you made our night. Uh, you know, Brendan and I, uh, Brendan Boylan, my co-host, uh, we both hope that you, you'll hopefully be a regular guest uh, because, no, you know, nobody beats your knowledge and charisma. And, I, you know, I thank you Dang. so much for kicking off uh, the, the reboot, episode one of the Bayou Blitz 2022. All right, the check's in the mail, man. Thank you. All right, we're on the eve of uh, eve of training camp. I see where Aaron Rodgers tried to look like uh, Nicholas Cage from Con Air, I think, as he reported. He always does something at training camp. Has, have the Saints ever had somebody that did something kind of goofy, crazy, funny like that? I can't recall. Hey, nothing to nothing to the extent that Aaron Rodgers pulls, uh, you know, is seemingly year in and year out. Uh, you know, what he did this year, that you know, the look that he's going with, which by the way, I kind of like. Hey, that looked um, cool. Looked just like him. He did. He did. It was astonishing. I mean, you know, he, he could have been a, a stunt double, uh, but yeah, that that's a that's a pebble in the pond compared to what, uh, you know, what kind of drama Rogers usually pulls. And yeah, I, I am so glad that especially during the Sean Payton era, I can't think of anybody, uh, you know, any player that even comes close to that kind of drama. <laughs> That's your boy, Aaron Rogers. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, it's never a good time, but if you have to have an appendectomy, now's the time to get one. And Joe Burrow is going to have to have one. And speaking from one that, that had the, same type of thing uh, most men do at some point in time um it's not that bad of a deal he'll be back and better than ever and ready to go before the season starts for sure hopefully uh, yeah you certainly hope uh you hope so and you know, you, you can attest uh, i haven't gone through the process yourself that an app appendectomy can be a very very serious thing yes uh, yeah so you know so i'm glad that they that they nabbed it in time for joe burrow uh you yeah, know before uh before any serious health concerns arose uh and, and yeah i mean you know, he's the kind of guy uh he's going to be back on the field as soon as possible so it's up to that bengal's medical staff uh, you know, to make sure that he right. eases back into it. Uh, huh. Yeah, because quarterbacks don't take many hits in training camp, especially these days. Right. Uh, and, you know, and, and any defender that touches 
Mr. Burrow in practice is going to find himself on the unemployment line real quick anyway. Yes, indeed. All right. Bob Rose, St. Sue's Network. Saints reporting. Uh, they'll get underway tomorrow. It'll be the uh, the beginning of the Dennis Allen era, the Pete Carmichael era. Um Man, who 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 are people going to be scrutinizing? Well, because forever and a day, ever since Sean Payton and Drew Brees were connected at the hip, it was always thought of, this is an offensive team, man. This is an offensive team. And rightly so. Now you got a defensive-minded head coach with a really good defense and a new guy taking over the play calling on offense with question marks abounding at quarterback. Question marks abounding as to who's your best wide receiver. Who, who's the more pressure on, you think? I think you got to go with Dennis Allen because, yeah, he he's the guy at the front of the firing line. Uh, you know, but as far as, uh, you know, scrutiny within the building, uh, assuming that defense plays up to the capability that we all know that they have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, you know, the scrutiny in the building probably comes from uh, – you know, from or excuse me, the scrutiny from the building probably points to Pete Carmichael uh, yeah, because of how that offense has performed uh, yeah, below expectations last year. And in my yeah. opinion, even in 2020 and Breeze's last year, I uh, yeah, they brought in all those new pieces, uh, yeah, a couple of first-round draft choices, a five-time Pro Bowler and Landry. Uh, yeah, th- this offense is going to be expected to put up some numbers uh, yeah, and, and certainly not be the reason that this team struggles or loses games. And if it does, uh, yeah, the the scrutiny publicly will be on Dennis Allen, of course, uh, but privately, I think it'll be more pointed towards not only Pete Carmichael, but Carmichael's quarterback, Jameis Winston. Uh, Drew Brees answered a question from a group called The Spun about Dennis Allen. Do you think he is ready for this moment? And I'm going to read this in quote, and I would love your reaction afterwards. He, uh, Drew goes, yes, I do. First off, he has a respect of the team. The second thing is the New Orleans Saints have been led by an offensive coach for the last 16 years. It was an incredible era, but the reputation was that we were an offensive-driven team. Now, for the first time in a long time you have a defensive coach who has done a phenomenal job the last couple of years the Saints defense has been great with Demario Davis and Cam Jordan then you go out and get a guy like Tyron Matthew that the defense is definitely the strength of the team right now and in a way it shifts the focus towards the defense and maybe in a way it'll take some of the pressure off of the offense but overall I think this team is poised to have a lot of success your thoughts? Couldn't agree with Drew more. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he he is he is an extremely an, an extremely intelligent man, as you and I both well know. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that this New Orleans Saints team is defensive driven now. Uh, and Dennis Allen was ready to be given the, you know, the head job on the sidelines again. I think the uh, the the Saints did a very smart move uh, and, and and promoting him for the job. Uh, and, yeah, defense is going to carry this team, especially while the, off- the offense is still going to take time. I know we literally just got done talking about, you know, Jameis Winston, Jarvis Landry, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Alave Penning. Uh, you know, those guys have never you – know, 
Winston has yet to play a full season in New Orleans. Those other guys have never been a saint at all. It's going to take a little bit of time for this thing to gel together. Uh, and then you, you, know, you come, off, come out of the gate right off the bat against three divisional opponents who, you, who presumably knows you very well. This defense is going to have to win these games early on. The offense's responsibility will be to develop and not lose games. So, yeah, Drew's absolutely correct. I think the offense is going to be very good in time. Uh, but you know, definitely right off of the bat, these Saints need to be a defensive team. Look, these are coveted positions. There aren't many head coaches in the NFL. I think it, the, the, the fact that the Saints hired Dennis Allen, Dennis Allen is a loud and very clear signal of how this organization prioritizes continuity. Dennis Allen has been under Peyton, on Peyton's staff for 10 years here and there. So continuity, very, very important. And I, I for one, am in agreement with that. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and for, for a long time, and you know, old, only us, uh, I'm going to call you and I seasoned and not older. Uh, <laughs> only us seasoned Saints fans can appreciate, you know, for so many years, the, the lack of continuity, the lack of loyalty, uh, and, and the lack of chemistry that existed throughout this entire franchise and organization. Uh, you know, that, that culture has changed, uh, you know, not only since Sean Payton, but even Mickey Loomis, who, you know, who was brought in a few years before that. Uh, and I love the fact that they you know, showed so much loyalty. Not only did Dennis Allen, but they didn't ask Allen to blow up the staff, mm-hmm. even with the offensive problems that have happened uh, you know, really the last two years. Uh, you know, so that loyalty not only extended to Dennis Allen, uh, you know, but Pete Carmichael. You know, they, they gave these higher-up assistants, Chris Richard, Ryan Nielsen. They did what they had to do to keep them in-house. Uh, the clock is ticking because they're all good, viable head coaching candidates. Uh, but the fact that these guys wanted to stay around and didn't really beat down the door of uh, other franchises and organizations to get out, uh, you know, I think shows us a lot, tells us a lot about the what it is in the for the culture to work in New Orleans. I'm Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Let's cut to the chase right here. This is the most important season of Jameis Winston's career. Correct? No doubt in my mind. None. Uh, Jameis bet on himself a little bit and taken a, a team-friendly deal to come back. And yeah, it's on paper as a two-year contract. But make no mistake, uh, you know, if he doesn't firmly entrench himself, maybe not among the elite quarterbacks, but right. just outside that cusp, then the Saints are going to be looking for a new quarterback in 2023. There's zero doubt in my mind. Yeah, yeah Jameis is still a young guy, still plenty of time to uh, to really cement himself as a franchise signal caller. But this is the year that it has to happen. It was such an incomplete picture, right? He gets gets hurt <laughs> in week eight. In the, in those in those weeks where he was the starter and they went five and two, it was kind of chaos around them. Players getting hurt left and right. I mean, the the supporting cast kept shuffling in, shuffling out. Uh, but you know, look, he knows that the Saints were all in to try and get to Sean Watson, so he's got that in the back of his mind. Um, he he's going to have to prove it, even though he's a popular figure. It seems like in the locker room, but this is the year. Either either you produce, or you're going to be somewhere else. And that's the yep, NFL. One you are one thousand percent correct, uh, and you know, 
it doesn't matter how well. Yeah, he is well loved by not only his teammates, uh, yeah, but the coaches and up through that front office. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is still a business. Uh, and, you know, the, the Saints were like, OK, yeah, Jameis, we're going to give you a five time Pro Bowl wide receiver in Jarvis Landry. We're going to draft an elite, a potentially elite offensive lineman in Trevor Penning. Uh, we're going to draft one of, if not the top rated receiver in the entire NFL draft and trade up twice to do so. Yeah. This is your offense. We've given you all the pieces. Now, you know, presumably Michael Thomas is coming back. You already have Camara uh, and the rest of that stabilized offensive line. If they're healthy, if Jameis can't do it now, I, you got to wonder if he, if he has the, the full toolbox to be able to do it ever. He is Bob Rose, St. Susan Network. He mentioned Alvin Kamara. When we come back from this timeout, are we going to have Alvin Kamara for this entire year? Or is the NFL going to step in? There's a, there's a, seems to be a, a thought process leaning in one different direction. We'll get Bob's thoughts on that and much, much more when we return. The Black and Gold Report here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You see, we can't do a podcast. We got to get commercials in, Bob. You see, we got to be, we got to pay bills. So we'll be back after we pay some bills. So stay with us, everybody. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, Bob Rose, St. Suzette. Well, don't don't buy into all that working on his tan stuff, Bob, okay? Just don't do it. I'm doing my research. I'm doing my work. Uh, welcome back, Black and Gold Report. <laughs> on this Tuesday, July 26th, we mentioned uh, Alvin Kamara, and we thought, okay, we've we gone through like anything else, rumors and innuendo and who knows, but all right, well, is he going to be suspended for the first six games of the season? Uh, now it seems like everybody's on the other side of the the pendulum that says he's not. Nothing's going to happen for for this whole season. They'll worry about that next year. What what do you think is going on here? Well, first of all, the people that have been saying that recently, they should have been paying uh, more attention to you and I uh, over the last two months uh, because that's what that's what we have been speculating about. Uh, ever since basically that, yeah, ever since they moved Kamara's preliminary right. hearing for the second time to August 1st. Right. Uh, and, and listen, it, you know, it's, it's very simple in, in, in one manner in the way that Kamara's yeah, representatives have said that their client, Alvin Kamara, uh, intends on pleading not guilty. If he remains in that uh, in that approach, then this preliminary hearing is only going to be one step in what could be a several step trial matter. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, only if Kamara changes his mind, at least what he said publicly, and takes either a plea deal or pleads no contest, can the NFL then immediately step in uh, and say, okay, you know, that's your legal consequences. This is your consequences through the league. And at that point, Camaro would uh, you know, open the season like most likely on suspension. However, again, if Camaro remains you know, steadfast in his innocence, and again, you know, all, all these are alleged charges, uh, uh, as you know, 
Uh, yeah, then the trial process is going to extend well into the season. And it's conceivable that Alvin Kamara might not even receive a suspension from the NFL right. for the entire 2022-23 season. Uh, yeah, we it, we know zero right now other than speculation and what we just put out there. And again, what you and I uh, have been saying uh, you know, for the last couple of months. Uh, yeah, so your your listeners are certainly well aware of you know what this process is. Uh, but yeah, you know, unless Kamara changes his mind and what he said publicly he's not going to open this year under suspension it's like a sword of damocles though you're just waiting and waiting and waiting when's it going to happen and if it happens what happens if it happens week 10 you never know are the saints prepared to handle that and i think that's the big question about they still need some help at the running back position I think unless one of these other guys that they've got on the roster comes up and becomes a um, a phenom out of nowhere. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, Abram Smith, Divino Zigbo, Tony Jones, they're going to be given lots of opportunities through camp and the yeah. preseason games because Alvin Kamara keeps himself in phenomenal shape. He doesn't need preseason reps. Right. Uh, Mark Ingram has been around the block once, twice, a half dozen times. He doesn't need the preseason reps. So this is going to be the opportunity for these young guys, you know, Smith, Zeke and uh, – uh, Tony Jones. It's going to be uh, their chance to grab the bull by the horns, so to speak, and to make Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, and this coaching staff feel like, okay, when this suspension happens to Kamara or when he needs a rest, because that, yeah, that's been an issue too the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Then we trust any of these, you know, one, one or two young guys that have stepped up, uh, you know, and if they don't take that opportunity that's when you're that's when i think you're going to see the saints make a move perhaps even trade for a running back later on in training camp they don't need to right now especially if a, yeah. if a uh, an immediate suspension to camara is not imminent they right. have a little bit of time to play with uh but yeah it it's definitely a position that needs watching very closely in the next few weeks Abro Saints News Network. I had mentioned who's got more pressure, Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael. You said Dennis Allen. I fully understand that. But now Carmichael has to fill in Sean Payton's shoes. And we've got some points of reference uh, with Carmichael as he called plays. I remember um, 2011, uh, Carmichael stepped in. All they did was score 62 points to beat the Indianapolis Colts. That, that's pretty good. He had that uh, full-time play caller role back in 2012 when Peyton was suspended. The Saints ended up ranking third in the league in scoring, second in total offense. So that's a full year under his belt in which he definitely succeeded. He called plays for a lot of the 2016 season as well. So this is not his first foray into this. It gives me confidence that he's going to be fine. Do you believe the players buy into that as well? Yeah, I do, especially the guys that have been there for more than a few years. Uh, Yeah, because even though Sean Payton was the mastermind, was the guru, Pete Carmichael was a very important part of Peyton's brain trust that put together these weekly game plans. Uh, And whenever an in-game adjustment needed to be done on the offensive side, it wasn't just Peyton. Yes, he's the one that made the ultimate call. Uh, but that entire offensive staff had to come into that game prepared for you know, uh, uh, to make this adjustment or to right. make that adjustment or to be adept at adjusting on the fly. So, yeah, I, I have uh, 
the, the utmost confidence. And I believe that the players that have been there have the utmost confidence that Pete Carmichael can do this. But now it needs it. You know, most of the occasions that you mentioned before, 2011 and 2016 in particular, the specter of Sean Payton was still, still hanging there. around. Yeah. Carmichael's flying on his own now. And even though he did so in 2012, there were just so many things that went wrong with that team that that was almost an unfair report card. Yeah, the offense did spend the passing offense did spectacular. But if you look at those same numbers, when Carmichael was calling plays in 2011, certainly all of 2012, they relied heavily on passing the ball. Now, so oftentimes because of a poor defense that was out of necessity, is Carmichael going to be I, – I have full confidence in his passing game prowess. Mm -hmm. How well is this team going to be able to run the ball? Is he going to be able to call a, a pretty even run-pass balance? That's the question, and I think a lot of people – and not, not enough people are asking. And I don't know Pete Carmichael. I just observe. Right. He looks to me to be a very um, – non-ego affected person because a lot of coaches when okay you've been under a, a guy's leadership and he's regarded as the best there is in sean mm -hmm. payton they they kind of want to go wait wait i want to forge my own way i want to show you what i can do and they deviate from that plan and try and create their own facade their own image i don't foresee that in pete carmichael which is very unusual it is. Uh, yeah, and yeah, this is an ego driven business. Uh, yeah, it's an ego driven world. Let's face reality. Uh, and I, I'm not sure I would have had the humility that Pete Carmichael has shown over the years. Uh, yeah, because, you know, Carmichael has had to have his opportunities you know, to, to seek employment elsewhere. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and again, if if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm going to want to be in charge of my offense. Uh, and And when you're working for such an offensive minded guy, such a powerful offensive minded guy like Peyton, you don't get that chance. And Pete Carmichael has been perfectly content to stay with Sean Payton. He's been with Peyton every single year. Yeah. I get the, I get the impression that Pete Carmichael is very comfortable exactly where he is. Some, some coaches don't want that spotlight of the head coach right. and all the things that, that are under that job description. And whoever talks to Pete Carmichael, he doesn't have to talk to anybody. He just does his work, gets it done, and goes home to his family, whatever. It, you know, he doesn't have all those responsibilities. And I'm fine with that. Not everybody's going to be a head coach. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, and I, I admire Pete for going about his business exactly that way. Uh, but I'll tell you this. As much as a, an unassuming person that he seems to be, he's not going to have that luxury anymore. Something goes wrong with the offense. He is the first man. You know, he's the first head on the chopping block, as the saying goes. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the microphones are now going to be in his face, like it or not. Yeah. Um, a big part of this, again, I hate to keep harping and being repetitive, but maybe the biggest addition to the Saints that they made this season was already on their roster. But what is going on with Michael Thomas? And what can we expect from a player that hadn't played in two full seasons? What do we expect? And, and that second part is going to be the most difficult question to answer. No, of course, only Michael Thomas can answer it. Uh, but yeah, as you alluded to, he's uh, Thomas is going to start 
the uh, start training camp on the physically unable to perform list. Folks, that's not uncommon for a veteran, especially one that's coming back from such a serious injury and multiple surgeries. So it's very clear that both the Saints and Michael Thomas kind of want to ease their way back into this. Uh, but the longer it takes him to ease his way back into it, the louder those voices and criticisms are going to become. Uh, and you know, yeah, you know, we've talked about it endlessly. It seems we've talked about the additions of Landry, the additions of Olave, uh, you know, Camara, Deontay, all still being there. This team still needs Michael Thomas. Uh, yeah, in his prime, at his peak, I'll rephrase that. At his peak, he was the most dominant wide receiver this team, this league has seen in a long, long time. And we have no idea whether we're going to get 2019 Michael Thomas again. Right. Even a even a 60% Michael Thomas was a pretty darn effective receiver in 2020. But like you said, he has not played since then. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I understand that they want to ease him back into it. But I personally cannot wait for the man to get back on the field and for him to show us if he can be a big part of this offense. I'm sure he's got some fuel uh, and fire in him. With, oh, yeah. you know, they mentioned the top wide receivers out there and he's not even thought of. He's an afterthought. People have forgotten all about him because you know the, the best ability is availability mm -hmm. he hasn't been available so i'm just really curious can can he reclaim that consideration as the nfl's best wide receiver which was a title that uh, a legitimate title that he claimed not very long ago yeah and the thing about michael thomas he's an emotional guy he, he always plays with a chip on his shoulder. He, uh, he was angry in 2016 that he was only drafted in the second round. And that provided a whole lot of fuel and motivation to his game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping that we see that same kind of motivated Michael Thomas when he comes back. Because you're right, there, there is no more unstoppable wide receiver through the short and intermediate zones uh, and a playmaker even in double and triple team coverage. And I just I hope we get that guy back again. But even if the Saints get somewhere close to this, uh, you know, he's not going to be a 149 you know, reception a year guy from going forward because yeah. the team doesn't need him to be. Uh, but they need him to be a security blanket for Jameis Winston. Uh, all right. Well, um, by the way, um, seven time pro bowler Julio Jones is signing a one year deal with. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here we kidding? go again. That only <laughs> adds more pizzazz to the matchup of the Buccaneers wide receivers and the New Orleans Saints defensive secondary. It's worth the price of admission. You better believe it. And I mean, yeah, we everybody talks, and rightfully so, everybody talks about the wars that Marshawn Lattimore and Michael Evans have uh, have had. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the, those battles between Lattimore and Julio Jones have been equally intense. Uh, I, I don't know what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing. They keep signing older and older and older guys. Uh, that's yeah, that's it, who it, only Tom can relate to. Come on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, apparently so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You and I, we're men of the people. You know, it, we're, we're seasoned, but we can relate with the younger folks. Maybe right. Tom Brady is having a bit of a problem doing that. You know, ha, ha, bring Tom on the show. We'll educate him a little bit. All I see is Julio Jones catching a pass in the flat for the Alabama Crimson Tide, juking one LSU Tiger and taking it down the sideline for about 80 yards for a touchdown. And I went, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. He's had a great career, but um, he's bouncing around a little bit. So that I, I just think that adds to the adds to the flavor again of the Saints and the Bucks. I love it. 
No doubt. And, you know, you mentioned Julio being an Alabama guy. Of course, Tyron Matthew is an LSU guy. Yeah. So that adds a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 Tyron Matthew is not exactly a quiet man on the field. So he joins a very uh, you know boisterous secondary. Uh, I, I cannot wait for these Tampa Bay New Orleans Saints games. All right. Training camp gets underway tomorrow. Jameis Winston, time to step up or step out. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Thank you, my friend, for another black and gold report. We appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. You have a great week. I can't wait to talk again. You got it. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037 game.com or 1041 thegamecom It's free. It's simple. So uh, go sign up today. A fun show today. I um, want to thank my guest, uh, RP3, from the Sunbelt Media Days. Of course, tomorrow the Raging Cajuns will have their turn. The team picked to win the Western Division of the Sunbelt Conference. So um, we'll have a full report on that one. We thank Matthew Bruni for uh, getting us up to date with LSU. We'll talk more about LSU tomorrow because it's uh, it's a week of recruiting uh, the, the dead period's over. They can recruit now. Next week starts training camp, so it's a very important week uh, with recruits coming in for visits, so we'll update you on that. We also thank Adam Spencer of Saturday Down South for his take on uh, the SEC. He's betting, uh, he's taking Alabama over the field to win the national championship. Might be one of those super teams, much like LSU in 19, Alabama in 20, Georgia in 21. It might be Alabama's turn again in 22. Uh, and I'm not betting against them. And of course, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network joining us. Saints start training camp tomorrow with a lot of question marks, but this team is loaded defensively. Do they have the depth? Can they stay healthy? And is Michael Thomas going to be the Michael Thomas of old? And is Jameis Winston, it's time to step up. It's just time, 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 time. So we'll talk about all of that tomorrow. If today is your birthday, July 26th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. One of my favorite actors, uh, Jason Statham, is 55 years old today and still rocking. I can't believe it. At 79 years old, Mick Jagger, still getting it done. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, James. Mesh, thank you for all you do um, in putting this and getting it all together and organized as is. I can't thank you enough. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it's the radio, whether it's the Internet, whether it's the television. We got you covered on all angles, and we appreciate you uh, joining us each and every day from 2 to 4. And thanks to our partners that make it possible. We, we absolutely could not do it without you. So, until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. You know the drill. Stay thirsty, my friends. 
do everything you can to stay healthy. That's the most important thing. Health is everything. Let's be kind to one another uh, and let's have some fun. We'll talk tomorrow. So long, everybody.